Lazy Gardener podcast. We are focusing on April with this one, and we're going straight into the greenhouse with Rob Foster. Hi, Rob. Hello, Ian. Yeah, so greenhouse time in April. What yeah, are you up greenhouse, to? The uh, greenhouse is another part of gardening, another module of gardening. It is a speciality in its own right. When I was at it, you had to do everything, but now they're sort of specialists because it, it's getting that complicated with greenhouses. They've got carbon dioxide injection and nitrogen injection. They've got this injection, the, the air controlled. And, oh, it's, it's really, you know, high-tech stuff. But for the amateur gardener, any perennials that have been overwintering in the greenhouse, such as geraniums and fuchsias, should now have their tips pinched out. This will encourage the plants to throw out more lateral shoots, encouraging a bushy plant. And this does apply to most plants. Um, just a bit of technicality here. What is called, when you see these popular trees and all the other trees going straight up and up and up and up, and plants tend to grow up and up and up, it's called apical dominance. And that's where all the power is to get above there. And this goes back to when they're in the jungle and they're trying to get out and get the light. But if you nip that out, then the power's got to go somewhere else. And that's why you get a bushy plant. So remember that, you know, if you pinch the tip out, you'll get a bushy plant. If you leave the tip, you'll get a tall, leggy plant. And uh, keep a check way in the greenhouse on whitefly and use a suitable host-specific pesticide. I mean, I do not use them st- yellow sticky traps, but they are very good. But once you hang up in the greenhouse, they also catch the beneficials such as bees. And remember, one aphid can become a grandfather in just three days. That's a quick turnaround, isn't it? It's amazing. How they are, it's really amazing how they multiply. Now, bedding plants, there's still time to sow those. Fill a tray or any suitable container with a multipurpose compost. Scatter the seeds over the surface and lightly cover with some more sift compost. And then water from the bottom. This is known as bottom watering. And it's done by standing the tray in some water. And as soon as you see the water appear on the surface of the compost, take it out and allow it to drain. Water in this way does not wash the seeds into piles at the corner of the trees. Ideally, use water from the tap that is stored for 24 hours. This allows the fluoride and chloride to dissipate. And when the seedlings are well established, rainwater can be used. And ventilation, now this is a very sticky point because ventilation is very important. And the most amateur gardeners like to shut the greenhouse and keep it warm. I mean, that can be... It can alter, it can cause so many problems. So even on chilly days, cold days, have the vents slightly open. But on warm days, have the vents fully open. And as I said before, if your glass is, is full of condensation on the inside, it's doing something wrong because that can cause botrytis and all sorts of problems with fungus. In April, you've got to get back out there and, and sort of like look after your lawn, don't you, really? Yeah, uh, you mow the lawn uh, once a week in spring. But for the first cut, all set your mower on the highest setting and gradually reduce it till you've got the desired height, you know, to, to what you want your grass to be. Remove the clippings and put them on the compost heap. And in times of prolonged warm weather, they can be left on the surface. This will help to protect the roots and keep them moist. Now feed the lawn with a spring summer lawn feed, following the maker's instructions. And use a hand or weeding fork to remove rosette-forming weeds. Those these are the low-lying ones that the mowers can't reach. Or alternatively, you can use a spot weed killer on them, where you just paint it on and that goes down to the roots and kills a lot what about um, moss because i got a bit of problem with oh, moss yeah the cause we get on this uh, ian is is amazing if you're troubled by moss on your lawn the cause is one of a few things it's poor soil fertility drought water logging on the other end of the scale compaction or shade you will need to apply a proprietary spring fertilizer and moss killer 
to get rid of the moss, or use a lawn sand, which is silomuscular, spreading it evenly to avoid damage to the grass by overdosing. And once the moss has turned black, gently rake it off, and obviously you will need to reseed bare patches. Now, aerate areas that are prone to waterlogging using a garden fork, this is your garden, making use of your garden fork, making evenly spread holes with about six inches deep. If you have shrubs or trees that are casting shade over your lawn, then these will have to be cut back. Rolling lawns, now this is really out of fashion, but a lawn that is rolled regularly will very, very rarely be troubled with moss or other pests, such as a chafer grub, as a good roller will squash all their eggs and encourage tillering. Now, years ago, on most gardens, in the corner of the garden was a roller, a big concrete or metal roller. You just don't see them there, and that's why we're getting a lot of problems with lawns. Moving on to spring-flowering plants. Now, sometimes these plants sort of, like, appear a bit earlier, don't they, when, when the weather suddenly seems a bit more balmy than it should do. But April's really when the spring-flowering plants do appear yeah. you know that's what this is the time for them isn't it yeah very much so in yeah and as your tulips start to die back they will need deadheading this includes daffodils as we've mentioned but leave the foliage intact allowing it to die back naturally tulips are most popular for cut flowers but after a while the heads may start to droop to correct this make a pinhole in the stem about an inch below the flower this will release any air bubbles that are causing the problem and the heads will sit up straight again and tips like this are only available on Matchford 103.2. Oh, I like that. <laughs> tulip diseases. Yeah, if you planted tulips last autumn that, that failed to appear this year, one reason could be grey bulb rot. You will need to dig a few up, and if the bulb is wizened, then remove it and the soil around it, and do not replant in that area for at least five years. Tulip fire is another fungal disease. Just keep an eye on the plants for distorted shoots and dying leaves with brown spots on them. That's the giveaway. When the leaves are dying, they've got brown spots on them. The stems are also liable to collapse. So it, it is a nasty disease, and there's no cure for it. Once you've got them, you've got to get them out. Forsythia. What's Forsythia? That sounds like something that Bruce Forsyth came up yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, Forsythia. It's very common. You see, you, you pass it, and you've seen it. You note if you've seen it in. It's a yellow flowering big shrub, you know. Yes. About six foot tall. Was it named after Bruce Forsyth? Good game, good game. Yeah, good game, no, yeah. <laughs> Nice to see you. To see you nice. It's only winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Forsyth. It's uh, spring flowering shrubs. One of the very common ones. And uh, many, many years ago, just uh, incidentally, on, on my first job as a gardener, one of the old gardeners says they got some qualifications here. And he says, uh, "What's uh, when do you prune a Forsyth, here, my lad?" I said, "Straight after flowering." He says, "You'll do." And that was the answer. Uh, and what you need to prune the forsythias straight after flowering because forsythias the flower on the previous year's growth so when they flower they're not going to flower on that anymore so you cut that off let new growth come up and they will be flowered on the following year let's talk about good planting techniques now because i know you've got lots of tips in this area for april yeah i thought it it was it'd be a good idea to introduce this into it because we do a lot of planting it pays to prepare the soil well before you plant or sow anything Always will need to be removed by hand. This is a painstaking job, but well worth doing well. Alternatively, cover the ground with black sheeting. This will smother and kill most of the weeds, but can take up to a year. Dig in plenty of organic matter, such as rotten manure or garden compost. This will improve the soil's ability to retain moisture on clay soils, and it will add to the drainage, because clay soils are notoriously bad for drainage. But once you've got that into it, it makes a big difference. Prior to sowing, it is a good tip to warm the soil up by placing a clear plastic sheet over the area. 
This will encourage any weeds left in the ground to show themselves. It's a bit like a point of greenhouse over it. The weeds will start showing through if there's any there, and you can pull them up very easily. And then you've got a nice, clean, clear piece of ground to start your planting. And if you're planting bearded irises, this is a good tip because it's very commonly overlooked. If you're planting bearded irises, never cover the rhizomes with soil or mulch as they need to bake in order to flower. Not many people know that, but the, the rhizomes need to be on the surface so the sun bakes them and then they'll flower. OK, what are the rhizomes for those that don't It's know? just a root system. Rhizomes are just a, 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 a tuberous root system that's normally underground. And this is providing the feed for the following year. So they're all uh, perennials, and it's just an ongoing process, which is a fleshy root. Over the winter, we get a lot of rain. That does affect your soil and borders, doesn't it? Not much, and it really, really does. I mean, look at the rain rain we had last winter. And after the winter rains, this nutrient level of your borders will need topping up. Nitrogen is one that's got washed out straight away especially in the sandy soil of Mansfield. What, because it's mostly sandy, I know we've got a bit of clay, but mainly it's, it's sandy soil in Mansfield. So you give your trees, shrubs and hedges, now a balanced fertiliser or a slow-release fertiliser by lightly forking it into the soil surface. Or use grow more, not, that's an old, very old one, as a top dressing. Roses are greedy plants and will greatly benefit from feeding as they come into growth because roses really are gross feeders and they will need that extra nutrition that's been taken out over the winter. Osters, now, they're very popular plants. I've got them in my garden, but to divide them before they come into leaf because as they go into leaf, then they'll start throwing these little red balls up. These plants attract slugs which lay their eggs around the base. So when they hatch out, They've got a ready, uh, available source of food there, and that's why the slugs do this round, round uh, osters. So it's a good idea just to scrape the soil from around them and replace with some fresh. And the soil you remove, take it top of the garden, just leave it there, and the birds will take care of the rest for you. Flowering bulbs, such as hyacinths and daffodils, that have been forced, which have now finished flowering, can be planted outdoors in garden borders, and they should reproduce again. If any garden plants in your borders need supporting later this year, put the supports in now so that plants grow through them. Adding supports afterwards is difficult and may damage the plant. What about um, tying, climbing and rambling roses? Yeah, rambling roses in is a very popular one and they're very pretty. I mean, I'll really love to see them. So you could tie these in. But remember the tip I gave a while ago, rambling roses, and I think this, this not heavy, they're just little ones. All you need is a blob of silicon, out of them silicon uh, guns, mastic gun, put it on your wall and just shove the stem on it and it's stuck and that's okay. And so that's, that's uh, tying, you're tying them in, you're tying in yeah. climbing and rambling roses. Does that apply for any other, other plants as well? Yeah, yeah, you, you can use a bit of silicon, but once they get heavy and they're really big, then you need to tie them in. And it's a job you need to keep on top of, as I say, otherwise it gets out of hand and they soon start falling down. And you may not notice that till you get a bit of a wind, then you go out and see all your climbing roses drooping down, probably broke off and making it a right mess. So always keep on top of that job. This also applies, as you quite rightly mentioned, Ian, to other plants, only suckle and clematis, they will be putting growth on now, so they will need tying in. And check any tree ties to make sure they're not cutting into the bark. I've very often seen this. Loosen any that are tight to allow the trunk room to expand. But I've so often seen it cutting into the trunk. And you've often seen big trees with a mark around it. And that's probably years ago, went to a seedling, being strangled. You've got a bit of a trimming to do. Yeah, winter flowering others. 
as the flowers disappear, if you trim them down hard, it prevents the plants from becoming leggy and continue to remove dead flowers and faded flowers from your winter pansies. Now, it might seem a bit crazy. Winter pansies? But yes, winter pansies, although they'll keep the flowers through the winter, they don't grow through the winter. It's too cold for them. But they will keep these lovely coloured flowers on. But as soon as you have a bit of sun on them, they'll start producing again. So while they're there, keep the faded, taking the faded flowers off and they'll keep producing them. Uh, and this will encourage flushes of new flowers throughout the spring period. That's always nice. Yes, April, spring, it's fantastic, isn't it? But yeah. So a lot of the time you're in the garden, but there are some jobs for the armchair as well. Now, this is a, a trick I learned years ago. I, I sometimes forget, I must admit, but it really is a good idea to keep a diary to keep track of which seeds you are sowing and when they were sown and planted out. This really helps when you have a good season or a bad season to look back and see what you can do about it. Keep an, eye on your house, keep an eye on your house plants. The warmer weather and longer light hours will encourage them to grow, so they may require more water. And if you run out of space on your windowsills or just want to take away the hassle of sowing seeds, consider buying vegetable or plug plants. I very often get quite a few plug plants. It does save a lot of trouble and a lot of hassle. Uh, and I send away, one of the ones, one of the main ones to send for is the giant onions. I send away for them, plant them on and get five six seven pound onions without trying so and also saying you're in your armchair so you could do that there but also you want people you're encouraging people to go and look at yeah, other people's uh, gardens my achilles heels is garden design i've never been any good at it i had to do it then look at it then alter it but i cannot plan it out beforehand so if, and i also need inspiration and to see how things work for other people for good inspiration and ideas i normally visit gardens that are open for the summer these only levy a nominal charge, which is usually for local charities. Garden centres are another source of inspiration, and remember the old adage, little and often. You do your gardening little and often. Very often, that's very, very true. Gardening is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So, if somebody wants to find out more details about April or to ask you any questions, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, then contact me via my website, which is thelazygardener.org. Thank you. April's a busy month, isn't it? Very busy, yeah, it is a very busy month. The Lazy Gardener Podcast. Go well in the garden, go well in life.